Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Welcome, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm so sorry I've missed a few days with you, but I'm back and all is well, and I am well, and all is well on, in heaven and on earth because God is on his throne. And you say, Mother, you're not looking at the news. Oh, yes, I am. But you see, I really believe that um, this is all under God's control. I heard the testimony of a non-Catholic and I think non-Christian gentleman who said that if there's a God, this is his conclusion, if God exists, then he's not sure, but if God exists, he would be, it would be logical for him to bring us to the brink of destruction uh, on our knees so that we would know our need of him. And not because he's a mean God, but because he's a loving God who wants to save his people. I wish every Christian had that perspective, because that's just what God does. Whom he loves, he chastens. And at the moment, uh, he's not only chastening those whom he loves, but he is separating the wheat from the chaff. And so, um, toward the end time, that's what, I don't know how close to the end times we are. I know that we're in them, but how close we are, uh, nobody knows. Um, but God, in his love, is helping us to truly know who we are as his children. And just as the first apostles were persecuted by their own people, by the Jews, they were Jews, they were persecuted by Jews who thought they were worshiping a false Messiah. Um, and all through Israel's history, they were persecuted. They're certain being, certainly being persecuted now, but not for their faith. Um, but just because they exist, because they're not really turned to God right now, Israel is not really following God. But the fact is that they are the people of God. Um, and the, those who hate God cannot bear that. So um, they want to wipe not only Israel off the map, but every single Jew off the face of the earth. That's the plan. Um, and uh, then every Catholic and then every Christian uh, does it bother me? Um, it does, of course. But um, my concern is for their salvation. For their salvation. Those who come against God, which is the majority of the world today. I'm concerned for their salvation. That's all we wish. That's all we wish. That's why we pray from morning to night here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. We begin at 5 and we end at 8.30 at night. And we pray the full... Uh, office of the rule of St. Benedict, and um, do a lot of work in between. Um, and we're very, we feel very privileged. And you should too, beloved. If you are Catholic, you are most privileged. You have what the rest of the world needs. And if we sulk in our disappointments or in our failures or our um, poverty or anything else, we are ungrateful creatures. We have what the whole world needs, which is the faith. And that's what families need to focus on today, beloved. The faith. You have been given a mission, 
as parents, you have been given a vocation to bring one another, your spouse, and your children to heaven. You, have, you don't have a vocation to become successful or rich or anything else. Just faithful to your calling to be the sons and daughters of God and get as many people to heaven as possible. That is our vocation. We are about a week and a half away from Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, and we are in the uh, week of sexagesima, which means six uh, weeks uh, from Easter, and this coming Sunday will be quinquagesima, five weeks from Easter. But uh, right Lent is right upon us. And um, we have, in my mind, beloved, the inestimable privilege of accompanying our Lord through his wilderness journey. You know, as soon as he came out of the Jordan, as soon as the Holy Spirit came upon him, and John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb to which every Old Testament Lamb pointed, um, the Lamb whose sacrifice alone would take away the sins of the world. As soon as he was identified, and he came up out of the Jordan. And the, the enemy, Satan, was there at the Jordan. And he said, uh-oh, he heard the voice of God. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Hear ye him. Oh, my goodness. And there was Satan, not quite sure that Jesus was God or, or what it meant that he was the son of God. But he said, this must be him. Is this the Messiah that's going to crush my head? And as soon as he came out of the Jordan, the Holy Spirit the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God himself, sent Jesus, not the devil, the Holy Spirit, sent Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says that he was tempted in all points as we, yet without sin. And so if you love someone and you know that they're going to be tortured and tempted for 40 days and you truly love them, would you not want to be with them, to console them, to be as much comfort and assistance to them as you can? And Jesus, who is God, who needs nothing, who is love himself, yet, I don't understand this, he wants us, he loves us, and he wants to be loved in return what he said to St. Margaret Mary, behold this heart that, is, that has loved so much and is so little loved in return. He wants us, beloved. He wants us consoling him, walking with him through those 40 days, representing the 40 years that Israel went through the wilderness uh, denying him. And so we enter into the wilderness with our Jesus this coming Ash Wednesday, about a week and a half from now on February 14th. It's amazing that it's Valentine's Day. <clears throat> it's val on Valentine's Day that we will fast. And uh, requirements of the church, not an option, that we will fast, that we will have the cross of ashes placed on our foreheads, and that we will begin to walk with him in the desert. The day that we give out little Valentine's cards and chocolates and love to everybody. Do it on the 13th if you wish, beloved, but not on the 14th. Fast on the 14th. Love went into the desert. And it was love that St. Valentine spread to the world. 
And we get to accompany love himself into the desert. The greatest act of love we can give him and one another by the example of our lives on St. Valentine's Day. There's a message by the priests of the Congregation of St. Paul from 1893, and it's titled Preparation for Lent. I'm not going to wait till S. Wednesday to read this to us because we need to begin to prepare now. We need to train our flesh to not be master over us, our passions to not be master over us. And this little homily says, which of us, dear brethren, has such perfect spiritual health that he does not need to call upon Christ, our all-merciful physician? We are all crippled, blind, and sick. The great remedy by which we must be healed is faith. Nothing else, beloved. Just faith. And I'll say, whatever stage we're in, if we have physical ailments, uh, spiritual ailments, which we all have, um, family problems, uh, we're out of a job, whatever it is, the great remedy by which we must be healed is faith. We see how the blind man uh, was made whole by faith. The blind man in the gospel was made whole by whole. W-H-O-L-E, by faith. In another place, we read of the woman with an issue of blood made well by faith. And in many other parts of Scripture, faith is put down as our great healing remedy. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul, dear ones, who said, I've learned to be content in any circumstance, in want or in, um, uh, or in much, uh, in health or in sickness. I've learned to be content. And I have too, beloved, not because I'm um, tremendously advanced in my spiritual life, but because I've gotten the message that nothing touches us that God doesn't allow. So if he allows weakness, sickness, um, uh, whatever he allows, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, he's in control. And it's to raise us up as saints. Whatever touches me, except discouragement, is from God. Whether it comes from the devil or me or sin or what, it's from God. And why do I say except discouragement? Because discouragement is never from God. It's always from the devil. Which is why when I feel it, and I do, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not going to give you 30 seconds of giving in to you. Because I know it's not from God. the next sentence in this homily says let us examine ourselves today as to our intentions for the coming Lent and we'll do that as soon as we return from the break beloved and then at the second break as always we'll take your calls and your emails with anything that's on your heart The toll-free number to call in is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. At the Station of the Cross, we understand that life circumstances can affect your giving options, whether by moving or by switching banks and credit card numbers. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and I'm thrilled to be with you. And guess what I just did? I just lost our page. How could I do that? I guess for, here it is. I'm getting it back. Okay. Um, we're talking about preparation for Lent. If we wait till Ash Wednesday, um, you know, it, it's almost like someone who's going to run a 10-mile race. Um, if they wait till the day before or the day of to put on their uh, clothes and sneakers and give it all they got, they're going to lose. They have to prepare for months and in some cases even years. And so the same thing with us for Lent. We will not have a good Lent if we simply celebrate Valentine's Day on the 14th, even if we have ashes on our head, and try to begin to give something up on the 15th um, uh, through Lent. We will be very weak, weak, weak warriors. We won't be warriors at all. We need to train for the fight. We're soldiers of Christ, and we need to train. Um, the article I've been reading continues. Let me, uh, let me go on with it. It's an article from 1893, Preparing for Lent, by the priests of the Congregation of St. Paul, um, 
Okay, we just finished saying that um, uh, which of us, dear brethren, has such perfect spiritual health that he does not need to call upon Christ, our all-merciful physician. We're all crippled, blind, and sick. The great remedy by which we must be healed is faith. We see how the blind man in the gospel was made whole by faith. In another place we read of the woman with an issue of blood made well by faith. And in many other parts of scripture, faith is put down as our great healing remedy. Thank God we have received the great blessing of the Catholic faith. But is our faith what it ought to be? Is it a living faith? If we have a living faith, it will show itself by our deeds. Let us examine ourselves today as to our intentions for the coming Lent. How much practical faith shall we find in ourselves? Faith without good works is dead, says James. How can we expect that such faith will make us whole? Are you dreading the approach of this season of penance? I'm reading this through with you for the first time, beloved. I have not read this article before. I trust it uh, because it comes from the Catholic Harbor of Faith and Morals. I trust uh, what they have on their website. But, um, and I know it's very beautiful. And I know much of this um, old faith, which is ever new, has been jettisoned uh, by the last few centuries. And it's, it's uh, tragic. Um, uh, and, but the last sentence I read is, are you dreading the approach of this season of penance? I know many, 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 many are. I've said to one woman, Lent is coming up. And she said, oh, I forgot all about that. I got to figure something to give up. It's awful. How could that please the heart of God? It's awful, beloved. I want to tell you that not through my Jewish background and not through 18 years of evangelical Protestant have I come to see myself as truly before a holy God as I have as a Catholic. And I'm only beginning. I entered the church in 95, so it's... uh, 28 years, I think. It's amazing. And I feel like I'm in first grade. Because the more we come to know God, the more we see ourselves as we are. Um, And for me, because by God's grace, I can't tell you that I love him, but I can tell you that I want to love him. And I want to love him more every day that he gives me breath. And so the season of Lent for me is an enormous gift from God because we are told by the church, by our mother, to fast and to pray um, and to give alms and to do what we should be doing all the time as Christians. And if my flesh is weak and doesn't want to do that most of the time, if I love God and at least want to obey our mother, the church, I will do it however poorly, but I will do it. Like children need a parent to do what they should do. So are you dreading the approach of this season of penance? I'm looking forward to it, beloved, as a great gift. Because I'm too weak to live it all year round. Are you, the article says, the homily says, are you calculating the easiest terms upon which you can get through it? Do you look upon it as an evil time which must be born with 
but out of which you expect to get nothing but discomfort? What a tragedy. If that's your sentiment, beloved, you may call yourself Catholic, but you don't know what it is to be Catholic. You don't know the treasure and the love and the gift of being Catholic. The homily says, if you look upon Lent in this spirit, you are no true follower of Christ and the cross. Your faith is not a living faith. And a dead faith is worse than useless, for such a faith can abide only in the lukewarm of whom the Holy Ghost speaks thus. Would thou wert cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will begin to vomit thee out of my mouth. Those are the words of Christ through Scripture. These are our Lord's sentiments, beloved. Would thou wert cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will begin to vomit thee out of my mouth. Beware, lest your present lack of the Christian spirit of penance be the beginning of your casting forth. These are serious words, beloved. These are serious words, as true today as then when they were spoken in the 1800s and when our Lord spoke them um, in the first century. When you come across a person who hates God, do you hate that person or do you mourn for them? Do you pray for them? Do you thank God for the faith you have and ask God to bestow it upon that atheist or anti-Christian because they are poor and on their way to hell and we don't want anyone going there. You say, yeah, but they deserve hell. Well, so do I. There's not a soul breathing on this planet um, that doesn't deserve hell. Not a soul. Jesus died for everyone because everyone deserved hell. And it was only the death of the sinless Son of God that could atone for their sins and open heaven for those who will trust in him and believe in him and enter the church he established. And then if you find someone who is um, uh, so cold or, uh, or hot, you could, be, um, you could be fervent. You could be uh, more zealous than anybody I could think of, than Jesse Romero. Hi, <laughs> Jesse, I love you. You could be more zealous. You could be cold or hot. That's okay, because then you're honest. If you're hot, you're honest. People say, yeah, but he's a little too fanatic. Blessed be God. And if you're cold, um, and you have no faith, then you're in trouble. But you're honest. But those who say they're Catholic and are lukewarm, they are in trouble. And God will say, no, no. You think you're Catholic? I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. You say, well, at least I'm Catholic. I go to church Sunday. You disgust God if you don't live the faith, if you live the minimum, if you say you're Catholic and live in between Sundays as if God doesn't exist. God says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because if you have the faith, it's not by your own doing. 
it's because God has bestowed his grace on you. The greatest grace this side of heaven is to believe. And if you squander that, God said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Live for him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or understand that you deny him. There's no in-between. The writer of this homily says, but do not misunderstand and think that we must relish this coming season of penance. Doesn't mean we need to relish it in our lower natures. Just as a hungry man relishes his dinner, that is not the kind of relish we are bound to have. Although we may have an involuntary horror, involuntary horror of penance, if we nevertheless appreciate our need of mortification and are determined to make the most of this opportunity, all the more because we instinctively dread it, we show that God has at least a large part of our hearts. He wants the whole of them, saying, My son, give me thy heart. But if we keep apart for our miserable selves, in his mercy, though grieved, he will not condemn us. Do I relish penance? No. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful personally for anything that God in his mercy and love and grace without limits will give me to help me to be holy, to die to self, to be done with everything, and to love him alone. I'm grateful for it. Am I excited about giving up certain things? Absolutely not. Is it a, is it a penance? Yes, it is. Do I like it? I don't like it. But I love God for allowing me, helping me to walk with him and to love him and to die in any measure to myself. But if anyone has not at least a determination to try, he may well tremble at his condition. If he thinks he can safely put off his repentance to his deathbed, he deceives himself. The odds against such a man's being saved are tremendous. <clears throat> Does it not stand to reason that an ordinary man who has spent his life in sin cannot, unless by a miracle of grace, accomplish in a short hour or perhaps less time than it is what it has taken good men a lifetime to do? The dying sinner may persuade the priest that he has repented, but it is not because he has deceived himself. Is it not because he has deceived himself in his fear of death? If we could test his repentance by offering him ten years more life, would he persevere in his good intentions? If he has resolved not to sin anymore for the whole reason, for the whole reason that he has no chance left him for doing so, his repentance is a sham. And all the absolutions of all the priests that have ever lived cannot save his soul. As a man lives, so shall he die. Is it not easier to repent now, while you are able, than upon your deathbed, when disease and sin have almost robbed you of reason? There's the music for our second break, beloved. And we'll be right back. After the break, to take your calls and your emails, the toll-free number, 
888-379-5483. The Catholic Church, that even in the temporal order, does more truly charitable work than any other institution in the world, we see very clearly our Lord's words being fulfilled, that the fig tree will bring forth much fruit. Let us pray that it brings forth more fruit, for even though we may rejoice in the harvest, we also know that the harvest is restricted by our sins. We have to strive each and every moment of our lives by the grace of God to overcome our sins and our sinful tendencies in order that the mystical body of Christ may truly bud forth in all the fruits that the Lord wishes to distribute to the world, whether they be of the spiritual order or of the temporal order, all those fruits may be received by the souls in this world, and so that all souls may find at the end of of their lives the true meaning of those final words of our Lord, that heaven and earth will pass away and be replaced by one of two realities, the joy of eternal bliss in heaven or the pains of eternal damnation in hell. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. I have no clue what my future looks like. I know who my future is, and it lies in the hands of Christ. I'm not worried about where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do. My life, I want it to be His, and there's such a freedom in that. I never, ever thought that I would find freedom in a laid-down, surrendered life to Christ. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross, and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live, and I am she, and I'm thrilled to be with you, and this is our half hour, and I um, welcome you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, Not our subject, but the matter of the heart is the heart of your matter. And again, the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from from Richard. Richard says, Dear Mother Miriam, I was very excited to hear you share about the website Catholic Harbor of Faith and Morals.com. I listened to you on your Facebook page. <clears throat> I went to the site and read the mission statement, but I was disturbed by these words, quote, In conformity with truth, Catholic Harbor rejects the systematic dismantling of the visible church brought about by the last six anti-popes, from anti-pope John Twenty-Third to Francis I. He says, calling all the popes anti-popes, St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, please explain why they would do this. And regardless of the fine materials on their site, whether we should partake of it in light of their mission statement. 
Um, Mother, thank you for being a light in today's darkness, encouraging us to be faithful to Christ, Richard. Richard, my dear brother, this is a hard one for me as well. Um, The Catholic Harbor of Faith and Morals is the most magnificent site I have yet found on the Internet because it does not compromise one or water down one word of truth. And my heart longs for God. And having found the pearl of great price, which is the Catholic Church, I want every single morsel it has. And while I am not in a position to know or to call anyone an anti-pope, um, there's a difficulty here, and I cannot justify it. Uh, anti-popes, in other words, we haven't had a pope on the throne that would say from um, John the Twenty-Third to Francis the First. Um, that is um, very difficult. Uh, um, however, John the Twenty-Third is the one that called Vatican Council II together and invited New Age. New Agers and Protestants and everyone within and without the Catholic faith to so-called bring the church uh, up to uh, modern standards. And in doing so, much of what came out of Vatican II was not Catholic at all, was very Protestant, um, and began to destroy the faith uh, of millions, of absolute millions and up to Francis uh, I, which is the only Pope Francis, our Pope today, who has caused more confusion and spoken more heresy than, as far as I know, any Pope in history. So uh, uh, these are great difficulties, uh, Richard, and I cannot speak authoritatively on them at all. Um, but the, pre, the popes previous to Vatican II did not change the damage of Vatican II. And the Novus Ordo Church has done great, 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 great damage to the faith. And millions have left the church. And there are clown masses um, all over the world now. Um, just awful stuff. So... And do I say that the Novus Ordo is not valid? I could never say that. God is the one who um, established his church and said he will lead it into all truth till the end of time and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I do believe that the, that the uh, Eucharist is valid um, in the Novus Ordo Mass as long as the proper words of consecration are said, um, even if the priest is dressed as a clown. Uh, even if there's ten dancers, um, if the proper words of consecration are said and the priest does what the church intends, then it's valid. Um, But it has destroyed the faith of many. And because it was from the 60s on, um, many who were born in the 60s on uh, know nothing else. And so they think we're teaching against the Catholic Church that they've come to deeply love, but we're not if they only understood um, the faith of the ages, the, the mass that has been the mass for 1,500 years, uh, for 2,000 years, um, and the beauty and the reverence that um, was given the mass 
by our Lord uh, from the Last Supper on. So it's very tragic. Um, again, I'm not going to call any of them an anti-pope, but um, what you say with Catholic Harbor of Faith and Morals, um, I won't repeat that because it's on their website as my belief because I cannot be authoritative on this. Um, and I, I can't say, but I do believe their writings. Their writings are everything from prior to Vatican II. And um, when I was coming into the church, and I entered in 1995, I was told by people that loved me very much who were Catholic to read only those uh, writings from before Vatican II. And they were not traditionalists, and they're not today. And they still go to the Novus Ordo Mass. They still do. But they know that following the Vatican, uh, the Second Vatican Council, there was much um, confusion, modernism set in, relativism set in, and there was no way for them to be sure that what I was reading was the true faith uh, given to the saints. And so they said, uh, Roz, Rosalind, my given name before I was sister, uh, take a look at when anything was published. And if it was published prior to Vatican II, you can trust it. If it was published subsequent to Vatican II, they just don't know if it's trustworthy or not. There's a lot published after Vatican II that's trustworthy. But I find it, I say but, I find it either somewhat truncated, somewhat um, uh, watered down in its language, uh, too focused on the comfort of man instead of the reverence of God. Uh, so when I found the site, Catholic Harbor for Faith and Morals, I could not believe anything so beautiful, so deeply true, so unquestionable was still around. I've tried to contact them because I have taken much from their site. In fact, the article on preparation for Lent that I'm reading today is straight from Catholic Harbor of Faith and Morals. And I've, I've tried to get a hold of them. I've tried. The only thing I could find is their website. No email, no uh, nothing. And so they have their reasons for that, and, and I respect them. Um, I've copied things from them in our newsletter, and I've said so. This is from Catholic Harbor, and I can't get a hold of them for, uh, for their um, approval. But I assume that they've put that site together to keep the Catholic faith and restore us to the purity of the faith and practice that God has given. So for me, Richard, it's a tremendous uh, treasure, an absolute tremendous treasure and I'm glad you found it so and as far as the popes from John the 23rd to Francis the first being anti-popes I met John Paul II I love him uh, I've not met Benedict the 16th but my goodness his writings are among the best ever um, but I cannot speak for it I cannot speak for why as as popes they have not reversed some of the things that they've simply let go on. I, I can't, uh, or initiated themselves. I cannot, I cannot answer that. It just grieves me. 
So I don't say they're anti-popes, but I still will recommend that magnificent website, Richard. I'm glad you questioned that. I did myself, but I have no answer for it. We have an email from Michael who says, hold on now. Can you please tell me about the origins and purpose of the College of Cardinals? Um, um, the, the cardinals are advisors to the Pope. Uh, the word cardinal comes from, looking this up, comes from the Latin carde, C-A-R-D-E, and it means a hinge. And so the cardinals, they're not, um, they are bishops. It is a, um, how do I say, kind of a titular title. Um, in the same way Monsignor is, um, a Monsignor is a priest, um, he's not higher than a priest, but he is given a position of honor uh, as um, um, an assistant to the Holy, as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, to the Holy Father. Um, and the same thing as a cardinal. He's a bishop, um, but it is a, um, I guess the word is titular title, to show that among the bishops he's been chosen to be closer to the Holy Father and to counsel and advise and correct the Holy Father. Um, and that's been the case since the 4th century. And since t- uh, 1000, uh, which is the 11th century, 1059 cardinals have served as the exclusive electors of popes. So they are not only advisors to the, to the Holy Father, but they alone come together to elect the Holy Father, and the college itself was given its current form in 1150. So the College of Cardinals are, number one, they're made cardinals from among the bishops of the world by the Holy Father to um, kind of be his advisors, his um, protectors, and in matters of faith to correct him. That's to, to protect him. And then uh, from those... He calls the cardinals together to form a college to, um, um, to elect the next pope. And so one of the fears currently is that Pope Francis, who has caused enormous confusion of the, uh, among the faithful all over the world, especially with his latest um, letter of fiducia supplicants giving approval, to the blessing of same-sex unions, same-sex couples, same-sex individuals, whatever, however you parse that down, which is a tremendous heresy and cannot happen. Um, it's very, very, very difficult. So why the popes from Pope John the Twenty-Third to Francis the First, because he's the first Pope Francis, why they have let such abominations, such heresies, such confusions, such degradation of the faith continue is a tremendous, tremendous mystery. And so those who um, uh, have the faith uh, up until John the 23rd, they want to keep it pure and whole. Uh, And that's where that statement comes from. Okay. We have um, 
uh, call from Rebecca, West Palm Beach, Florida. You're probably warmer there, Rebecca, than we are here. Hello. Are you there, honey? Hi, Rebecca. Yes. I- you know, we, you and I have gotten on the air uh, in coordination with the music for their final break. Can you hang on till after the break, Rebecca? Sure, no problem. Okay, great. All right, we'll be right back. And when we come back, beloved, we'll have 10 minutes, and you are welcome to call in during that time. Our lines are always open, and the toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Hold on, Rebecca. station of the cross we proudly bring the truths of the catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices and we're grateful for the feedback we've received it just really connected me to my faith i always considered myself 100 percent catholic but didn't really realize that i wasn't fully practicing my faith so i learned so much through the station on the cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to god and so well versed in learning more about the bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising, and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. 30 Seconds on the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, brought to you by the Station of the Cross. The gift of understanding helps the mind to comprehend revealed truths. Many times you might think to yourself, I've explained this aspect of morality so clearly to my friend, why can't she seem to get it? It's a beautiful gift to have understanding of the faith and moral situations. Pray for others to receive that gift as well. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live and we have 10 minutes Uh, And again, you're welcome to call in during this time. Our lines are open. The toll-free number for anything on your heart is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have Rebecca from West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you still there, Rebecca? (laughs) I sure am. (laughs) I'm glad, sweetheart. Go ahead. 
Well, first of all, I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. I, I and, am. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. And I just am calling to thank you for being one of the positive influencers of my husband and I, our life, and returning back to the Catholic Church. Bless it be God. And Yes, and um, we actually um, returned last, it was before April, it was, I mean, it was before Easter, mm. and we really were, uh, you know, I've been listening to you for, oh, I don't know, a couple of years, and we, what was always holding us back was the sacrament of confession, and, uh, you know. I understand that, I, uh-huh. <laughs> And, you know, I would listen to you and um, talk about it. And we finally got up the gumption and we went last last spring and it was wonderful. And it was it was like a big relief, you know, and. Uh, yeah, so it was, you know, and, and I just want to thank you for just like you said, talking about that. It's so important. I think that holds a lot of people you know, back because it's You're a right. little nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. It's but, embarrassing. Um, it's embarrassing to be speaking to a human being, a man, a human being. But the fact is, uh, as you learned, that when we confess our sins, uh, we're confessing them to Christ. And it's Christ who says, through the priest, I absolve you. And so when we get nervous, we worry about what the priest is going to think of us, if he recognizes us. I just have to go in there and say, Lord, you already know what I'm going to say. There's no surprising you. Um, and probably there's nothing the priest hasn't heard. But even if I'm going to shock him, it doesn't matter. I, I want to honor God. Um, and it's, it's, it's an act of humility. But it's, it's, as you say, enormously freeing. Oh, enormously. Yes, it's, it, it really is. It's, it's truly probably one of the I would say one of the best sacraments that we have. And mm-hmm. it, 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 and I think a lot of people, um, once they do it, they will, they'll feel a lot better. And, yeah. um, you know, I just, I just thank you so much for, um, to sharing so much about the, the, the traditions of our faith that, you know, I grew up a Catholic, I was raised Catholic, mm. everything. And my husband and I both fell away because, I don't know. We became very secular, I guess, as well in sure. our lifestyle. But you know, it, it it always felt like something was missing. And and I would look at other religions, and I would look at specifically like Jewish people, and I'd be like, "Wow, they have all this richness and how they celebrate and their family celebrate this stuff together, and they're so faithful." And I felt like the Catholic Church was missing something. And here. I find out that we are we we definitely are missing you know a big big chunk of our of our you know being Catholic and and we're and we're the and, fulfillment of Judaism. We don't have less than Judaism. We have more. Yes, which is yes, and I love that saying that um, that you have because it's true and it makes sense and. Um, it's just, I feel like a kid in a candy store. When, well, that's you know, my statement, too. I love it. <laughs> I do. I do. I really do. It's wonderful. And my husband does as well. So it's wonderful that we can How wonderful. share that. Do you have children? No, we do not have children. Okay. No. All right. Uh, All right. Well, yeah, um, but we- 
you 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 can probably now have many spiritual children because yes. you're living the yes. faith and without speaking a word living it is going to draw people to Christ. You need to speak I a believe- word though, but Yes. Yes, I believe so. I already I think had a positive influence on my nephew and his wife and they Beautiful. have two young children. Yes, and we have discussions and it's very positive and and I try to to do what you say you lead by example and through love and Absolutely. You know, and, and that's I think the best most natural way. And um, yeah, and I also wanted to tell you as well, there's a wonderful book, and I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but it's called The Stations of the Cross in Slow Motion. And I just uh, learned of it last night. That's Eric Salmon's wife. Oh, yes, yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. Susan Salmon's, yes, A Daily Susan Devotion Salmon's. for Lent. Oh, yes, how beautiful. It, the Stations yes, of the Cross it, it, it in is. Slow Motion, A Daily Devotion for Lent. I recommend it. Those are good, faithful Catholic people. Yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, because I, I just thought it was a really, really a wonderful idea. And um, I just received the book probably two days ago, and um, it's, Excellent. it's wonderful. It, it, you know, even for just my husband and I, but yeah, especially if you have children, Oh, just absolutely, I would highly recommend it. So oh, I'm thrilled. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go get a copy myself. Very good. Very yes, good, Rebecca. Yes. What a sweetheart you are. Well, I, I thank you for your, your lovely call and for the grace God has um, imparted to you and your husband and uh, ask him to continue to deepen your union with him uh, as you walk with him. God bless you and a blessed Lent. Thank you, you too, Mother. We love you. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. And Rebecca is my Hebrew name, by the way. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. In Hebrew, Rivka, I, I am. Rivka is Rebecca. It means earnest devotee. Not oh, bad. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Not bad at all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, great. All right, honey. Thank you for that nugget. <laughs> yeah, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, sweetheart. We have an email from Rita. We're coming again the end against the end of the program. Let me see if I, we can get that in. She says, Mother, I was browsing through the book Eucharistic Miracles and Eucharistic Phenomena in the Lives of the Saints by Joan Carol Cruz. It's published by Tan. Chapter 30 tells of the miracle of Bordeaux, France in 1822. A miracle of the Eucharist took place on the Feast of Septuagesima at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And that was last Sunday. Um, no, no, the Sunday before last, um, the priest had not yet finished blessing the sacrament with incense when he looked at the ostensorium. He realized he had placed the holy species there, but instead of the holy species, he saw our Savior, head, chest, and arms in the middle of the circle that served him like a frame, like a painting, but the painting looked alive as stated in the book. The chapter goes on to say his figure was that of a young man about 30 years of age. Well, that's good. Extraordinarily beautiful. That's our Savior. He was dressed with a dark red scarf draped over his shoulder and chest. His head was inclined from time to time on the right side and the left side. The chapter goes on to say that many people had seen the miracle. How very beautiful. Mother, that it should take place on the Feast of Septuagesima. Is there a reason you think it happened on this feast? And why do you think Jesus had a red scarf draped over his shoulder? 
thank you and hope to hear from you, Rita. Rita, uh, we have a few seconds left, and I don't know. Uh, however, Septuagesima is seven weeks before Easter uh, and three before Lent. And I imagine that he had a red um, a scarf or, or cape draped over his shoulder and chest when he stood before Pilate. And so um, it wasn't long after that that he was crucified for us. So I think the red um, would remind us of his um, sentencing to death by the Jewish people pretty much that he came to save and by everybody because he died for our sins. Um, and why it happened on that feast was to show us what is ahead as prepare for Lent and the one who gave his life for us. That's what I would make of it. God bless all of you, dear ones, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. God bless you.